0: Now this is a subject I'm really, really excited to be talking about this morning. It's, it's it's one that's near near and dear to my heart. I think it's a message that needs to be preached probably about once a month, in my opinion. Uh, but before we get to the uh, before we get to the scripture, before we get to the uh, subject or the theme of of, of the uh, sermon today, I want to guys I want to make you aware of some resources that are out there if you're not really or if you're not already aware of them. Uh, the first one is a website called Seedbed. Is anybody familiar with this? Does anybody use Seedbed? Daryl? Okay. Uh, seedbed.com. If you got a pen, write that down actually, because I can't tell you what a how much of a valuable resource this really is for us, especially as people who are part of a Methodist or a Wesleyan church. Seedbed.com is uh, is is an offshoot of Asbury Seminary up in Wilmore, Kentucky, which is again um, a traditionally Wesleyan, traditionally Methodist, uh, seminary, but it's just, again, it's a great, great resource, and you can find all kind of stuff on Seabed, you can find all kind of Bible studies, they're also a book publisher, they they publish curriculum, they publish Bible studies, uh, they publish all kind of videos, cool videos, and articles, Uh, but one of the things that I want to talk to you about this morning and really point, point you over to is something that Seabed has that's called the Daily Text, the Daily Text, and you can find that, again, on their website. What The Daily Text is, is that it, it is is basically it's a daily devotional. And what you get from The Daily Text is you get a Bible verse, you get a scripture, you get a reflection on that scripture, and uh, you get a prayer that goes along with that scripture. And at the end of it, they're going to ask you a couple questions that apply to the lesson and that apply to the scripture for the day for you to kind of ponder, for you to kind of meditate on throughout the day. Again, it is a wonderful, wonderful resource all the time, but the primary reason that I mention it to you today, um, and by the way, you can find that by going to their website. Just go to seedbed.com. There's a little thing that says Daily Text, and you can subscribe to it for free, and they'll send this thing to you for free every day. Uh, but the primary reason that I mention it to you this morning um, is because what they've got going on right now over there at this resource called The Daily Text goes along perfectly with our sermon today. And with the subject matter that we're going to be talking about today, but before we get over all the way to that, um, no, I'll go ahead and tell you what I'll go ahead and tell you what it is. They're calling this thing the second half of the gospel, and it's a term that they use. It's a term that I use. I don't know if I stole it from them. I don't know if they stole it from me. Uh, but the theme of it is the second half of the gospel, and that's the um, the subject of what they're talking about and what their scripture references are all about for the next thirty days. Well, for the next. Twenty plus days, however, however much long is left in the month of August, and now before we get into what that looks like and what that's all about, I do want to take a look at our short scripture for today, and it comes out of the book of Second Corinthians. Once again, it's just going to be one little verse: Second Corinthians five seventeen. Second Corinthians five seventeen, and there it is. Therefore. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. That's the word of God for the people of God. Now, I want you guys to keep that up there uh, for me for just a minute. And I want to read to you the translation from the English Standard Version uh, of the Bible. And the reason I'm doing that is because I think it paints a little bit clearer uh, picture. It gives us a little bit more clarification of what exactly this... This scripture means, just so there's no doubt, the ESV puts it like this. They write, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Once again, I'm going to state that one more time. If anyone anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation is a new creation. Congratulations everybody in this room. If you got a relationship with Jesus today, you are a new creation. It's talking about us. This verse that we are that we're focusing on this morning, second Corinthians 5:17 is talking about us and I'm going under the assumption that everybody in this room, everybody in this sanctuary at some point in their life has has had some kind of introductory experience into having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm just going on that assumption. If you have it, I want to talk to you, and I want to invite you down late, a little bit later in the service because that's pretty awesome, too. But again, I'm just assuming that everybody here would, would refer to themselves as a Christian. So congratulations. If you are a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, this is you. You are a new creation. The old has gone, and the new are passed away. We are made new when we are brought into a relationship with Christ. Okay, that is just good, solid doctrine good, solid theology, and good, solid understanding and application of Scripture. When we're brought to that relationship with Christ, we are made new creatures. The old is gone. The new has come. What does that mean? It means that we are drawn away. It means that we're drawn away from, from selfishness. It means we are drawn away from sinful desires that may be used to control our lives. And we're drawn into this life with Christ. We are drawn into wanting to walk in the light of Christ. Our desires change a little bit. Our minds change a little bit. The things that were so important to us maybe before aren't so important as they were um, back then. We think about stuff differently. Our eyes are shifted. Our minds are shifted. And it's this lifelong journey that we start on. It's this lifelong journey towards this idea of what we call sanctification. And I'm going to talk to you about sanctification in a little bit, but we're moving towards a goal. We've got this when we're brought into relationship with Christ. We're made new creations. Our goal is what to be transformed throughout our lifetime into the mind, and as we've talked about before, and into the image of Jesus Christ. And I want to point this out to you because there's something that we look that we overlook, and it's not in the it's not in the uh, NIV translation that we got up here. But once again, let me return back to the ESV. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and it says this, Behold, the new has come. Behold, the new has come. Anybody ever wonder what that word behold was? That's just kind of one of those things that we tend to gloss over in the Bible. Behold actually means wake up. It means wake up. So all those times you see Jesus talk using that word behold in the gospels, he's saying wake up. Here's the reality of where we are, folks. Behold, wake up. The new is here. That should excite us. That should make us happy. That should bring some joy into our lives. Wake up. You're a new person. You are a new person in Christ. Knowing this, knowing this gives this little word just a just a just a lot of meaning. This world has a lot of, lot of meaning. This little tiny verse that we're going over in 2 Corinthians, this little tiny verse gives us a glimpse of what we're talking about, what I'm talking about, and what this resource that I told you in the beginning is talking about, when we refer to as, what we are referring to as the second half of the gospel. It's about waking up, behold, wake up to the life that Christ is offering us. Wake up to the life that Christ has promised us. And guess what? Just like the first half of the gospel that we're going to talk about, it's just, it's a gift. It's a gift. And all we have to do is receive it. It's ours for the taking. So why? Why, Jerry, why are you calling this thing the second half of the gospel? Why do you call this thing the second half of the gospel? First of all, because what we're going to be talking about today is the gospel. There really is no first half. There really is no second half. What we're talking about today is the entire gospel. It's it's the good news. That's what gospel literally means. Literally translated, it is the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's not just, and I've talked about this already before, it's not just about getting us out of hell, and it's not just about forgiveness, as lovely, as beautiful as as those things are. It's also about joining Jesus in this movement as new creations. I like to, I, one of the best translations I, I ever heard, you know, Christ talks more about the kingdom of God in the Gospels, more than anything. He taught on this idea of the kingdom of God more than any other subject in the Gospels. One of the best ways that I've come to understand what is the kingdom of God, because we've got this bit, this bad thing. When we hear that phrase, we start thinking about heaven, don't we? We start thinking about the afterlife. Well, there's the kingdom of God, talk about heaven. No, 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 no. No. The kingdom of God is here. Why do we pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Where? Not on heaven as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God was initiated on earth with Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is a movement. It is a movement. And through the gospel, what I'm calling the second half of the gospel especially, we are invited. We are drawn in to God's kingdom. We are drawn into this movement. This movement of Jesus Christ that reveals to the world, that reveals to our communities, that shows everybody that's around us what God looks like, what the character of God is. We are made new and people can see this and we can experience it. It's about joining Christ in this movement towards what we talked about early in the service and what we talked about in previous weeks. Moving towards this Beautiful, this perfect love for God, this perfect love for our neighbor, being witnesses for others, to others, of the reality of the kingdom of God on earth. The reality of the kingdom of God on earth. We should always remember this, folks. We should always, always remember this. The Bible has a lot more to say about how we live in the here and now than it does about the afterlife. The Bible has a lot more to say about how we live during our time on earth than it does about what happens when we die that's why the second half or what I'm telling you or going to tell you is the second half or the forgotten part of the gospel is all about and that's why it's so important so what's the problem what's the problem why do you keep using this phrase the second half of the the gospel the problem for the most part problem for the most part, and I I would argue especially what has happened over the last several decades, is that we have been sold, we have been taught, and we have taught ourselves a very, very short sighted understanding of what the good news of Jesus Christ is all about. If you're like me, coming up in the church, here is how I understood the gospel. When people use that word, gospel, This is how it was taught to me. This is how I understood it, basically. And I'm going to guess, I'm going to take a guess that most people in this sanctuary have probably been taught or preached this same understanding of what the gospel is. It kind of says something like this, that we are born into sin because of the sins of Adam and Eve, because of this idea of original sin. We are born into sin, and there's nothing that we can do about it. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. There's nothing that we cannot do. Um, To save ourselves. There's nothing we can refrain from doing to save ourselves. We are born into a broken relationship with God and we deserve death and we deserve judgment. However, because of Jesus' atonement on the cross, because of his death, because of his burial, his resurrection and ascension, because of this, we can have a reconciled relationship with Christ. We can be forgiven of our sins and we can be Assured of our salvation and our eternity in the presence of God if we simply believe in the in what Christ has done for us. That's how I was taught what the gospel is. Good news is that's part of the gospel. That is. I'm not going to tell you it's not. It is. (laughs) I don't want you guys to think I was about to teach you something crazy. But it's not the whole story. It's not the whole story of the gospel. It's a short-sighted version of it, as wonderful as it is, as wonderful as this invitation is, as cool as it is to have the knowledge that I've got a reconciled relationship with God, that my sins are forgiven, that I'm going to get the experience to join God in Christ in eternity at some point. Those are all wonderful things, but we stop there. We have a bad tendency to stop right there, and that's enough for us. And we teach people, okay, this is the entire gospel of Christ. It's all about forgiveness, about, about getting into heaven, about being reconciled to God. All of that is true, but that's not the end. That's not the end of it. Nowhere close to being the end of it. Remember what I said a second ago. The Bible says a lot more about how we live on earth than what happens after we die. So why does that matter? Why does that matter? People are being saved, right? People are being saved. At least, at le- at least they're, they're going to heaven. At least they know their sins are forgiven problem is it's not the end of the story and it's not the entirety of the gospel. One of the saddest things is that, we, is that we teach people that this is all that the gospel has to offer us and we just stop there. We stop seeking God when that happens and we fail to accept, we fail to embrace and we fail to receive all that Christ has to offer us. A lot of people, many people, many people in our churches, many people that we've known over the years have, have, have accepted Christ as their Savior. Many of them have received forgiveness. Many of them will, in fact, uh, be going into the presence of God when they die. They have these reconciled relationships. But what happens when we only receive this part of the gospel as the entire gospel? We stop growing for one thing. We stop growing for one thing. One of the, one of the things that the um, authors of the Daily Text resource that I wrote, that I told you guys about in the beginning, they said this or they wrote this about the, uh, on this subject a little bit earlier this week. They wrote, here's the sad part. Many, if, many, if not most people, who accepted Christ on these terms never took it, never take it much further. Maybe they joined a church. Maybe they got involved in some religious activities. They probably attempted some form of sin management, and they ultimately gave up. They're going to heaven someday, but in the meantime, they're mostly just doing other things. How many people do we know like that? How many people that we know that have gotten saved over the years, they come, they're excited about church, they're excited to be here. Six months later, they're nowhere to be found. They fall away. They're gone. All of us know these people. All all of us have loved these people. All of us have had relationships with these people. What happens to them? We're not teaching them the whole gospel. We're not teaching them the whole gospel. In other words, what happens is we just kind of keep going on living our lives like everybody else. We look like everybody else. We talk like everybody else. We act like everybody else. Jesus stops being our first priority. What else is there? I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. If that's what we teach people, that's the results that we're going to get. And that's never what Christ intended for his church. That's never what Christ intended for us as individuals. Jesus stops being our first priority. Growing into Christ's likeness stops being our first priority. If we do, if we're lucky enough, then we do wind up remaining in church. It just turns into another, something to check off of our to-do list. Y'all remember this verse in John ten ten? Jesus said, and here's another beautiful part of what the second half of the gospel looks like. He says, I've come that you might have life that you might have it to the full. Most of you probably remember that verse as saying I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That doesn't sound like something that stops when I receive Christ initially as my Savior. He said life to the full, not a moment in time, life to the full. I've come to give you the best life that you can possibly have during your time on the, during your time on earth. That's what this second half of the gospel is all about. Receiving all that Christ has to offer us. All that Christ has to offer us. And it's not about worldly prosperity, by the way. It has nothing to do with worldly prosperity. It's about a life where we are free from the power of sin. We're free from, from, from sin and from all the, all the death and all the destruction that goes along with it. We talked about before that we have the freedom love God and neighbor with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and it's, it's about being drawn into his will it's about again this lifelong process where we're drawn into the will of God and we're constantly changing we're constantly thinking differently and we are accepting and we are receiving this beautiful life that Christ has to offer us it's about a life where we absolutely bleed the love of God for our brothers and sisters Let me give you one more quote from Seedbed uh, Daily Text this week. They put it like this. They say, justification by grace through faith. So we have a good understanding of what I'm talking about. I hope I'm being at least somewhat somewhat clear. Justification by grace through faith equals the first half of the gospel. I'm going to expound on that in a second. Justification by faith equals the first half of the gospel. It happens as the Holy Spirit empowers us to confess and repent our sin, repent from our sin, and to receive the grace of God in Christ Jesus, who saves us from eternal death. Second half of the gospel is sanctification by grace through faith. Sanctification is the lifelong process by which the Holy Spirit reorients our affections, realigns our dispositions, and he transforms our lives for the sake of others. It was either my first week or my second week where I told you guys that, sal- that um, justification is not salvation. Y'all probably don't remember that I, that I said that, but at the time when I did say that, I told you one day I'm going to teach you what I'm talking about, so now I'm going to teach you what I was talking about. Salvation When we use that word salvation, most of us think what we're thinking about is really this idea called justification. When you say a person is saved, generally you're thinking about something in the past tense, right? He was saved or she was saved. In other words, that that person had an experience with Christ. They were brought into this relationship with Christ. That is salvation, but that is not all of salvation. That is the idea of what we in the Methodist and Wesleyan and most other circles really call justification. Okay, when we're brought into this relationship with Christ, we are justified before Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Salvation does not stop there. Salvation is a lifelong process. If you will read, and I I can't quote which scripture it is, but it's somewhere in the the, uh, epistles of Paul. Paul talks about we have been saved, we are saved, and we are being saved, okay? So we are constantly being saved, hopefully. Hopefully, most of us are. We're constantly being saved. It's not just a one-and-done experience for us. And this is where the idea of sanctification comes from, and this is where the idea of the second half of the gospel is all about. First half of the gospel equals justification. It's that moment that we're brought into this relationship with Christ where we have been saved. Second half of the gospel, it's all about sanctification, salvation, where we are saved and we are being saved. We are constantly doing this. This is something that's constantly happening to us as long as we are receiving it. And again, that's the cool thing. We work so hard. A lot of us, a lot of us work so hard, and, and I like that the fact that they use this word sin management because I think that's something that we... That we that a lot of us try to do in our walk with Christ, and it's a mistake. Okay, we try, we try, we try, we try, we try to do better. We const- constantly start trying to do better. I'm going to do better, God. Yet I keep sinning. I'm going to do better, forgive me. Yet I keep doing the same thing. Forgive me. Next day, I do the same thing. Forgive me. Next day, I do the same thing. Anybody else been ever been caught up in one of these ruts? Yeah, of course. Don't feel. I feel like I got to raise your hand. But that's what we do, and that's our mindset. We're going to try harder. We're going to do more. Sanctification's a gift, y'all. Salvation's a gift. That's the cool part about it. It ain't about trying hard. It's about learning to receive. Just as we receive that initial gift of justification, so God also wants to offer us that free gift of sanctification. It's not about trying harder. It's learning how to receive and it's learning how to submit that's the cool thing about it that is so cool to me that's the whole story that's the entirety of the gospel i don't know about you guys but you know i asked myself why would i want anything less i got to be honest with you folks and i know we push for time i got to be honest with you if i thought a number of years ago that Christianity was all about getting for being forgiven and 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 going to heaven and being reconciled to God, I probably would not have remained a Christian. I probably never would have been drawn into Christianity. As wonderful as those things are, and those are wonderful, those are wonderful, and I believe that all day long. I hope 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 I'm not. You guys don't think that I'm that I'm diminishing those things because I'm not. But back in the day, if I thought that all there was of Christianity, chances are I wouldn't have stayed. It's this second half that keeps me going. It's this second half that excites me. It's this second half. It's this idea that I don't think the way that I used to think. I don't act the way that I used to act. I don't do some of the things that I used to do. I don't say some of the things I used to say. The old is gone and the new is here. And it's the fact that I'm constantly being changed. Just a little bit. Just a little bit every day. That's what I look forward to. I love the idea. Y'all know this. I love the idea of loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving my neighbor as myself. I also know that I can't do that of my own free will. I also know that I don't have the strength in me to do that. But God does, and he wants me to receive that. Don't we think that God wants us to have these things? If they're his will, certainly he wants us to have them that's what I want for my life and I I would wish and I would hope that's what you want for your life to be drawn into this second half of the gospel where the old is gone and where the new is here and where we're constantly being transformed and conformed into the image and into the heart of Christ here's the thing and here's the here's a uh, succinct idea of what the gospel is the entire gospel, and again, this is this is this is from this is from Seedbed. This is not I didn't come up with this by myself. I'll give credit where credit's due. But the entire gospel is basically this: First, we were born into this unsolvable condition of sin. We were destined for destruction, and we were destined for death. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, came in the flesh. He came to the world to destroy sin. He came to destroy death, and he offered his life death, resurrection, and his ascension for the eternal salvation. If we receive this gift, we will live eternally for God. Let me mention this about justification too. Because this is what grace looks like. I don't yearn for these things because I think I'm doing God a favor or because I'm trying to impress God or, any, or impress you guys or any of that sense I just, I just, it just is what it is I yearn for it because I'm grateful for what God has done in my life that's, that's, my, that's my motivation and hopefully hopefully you know yeah I'll change a lot in my lifetime hopefully I'll change a lot in my lifetime I've, I've changed a lot in, in a num- short number of years and I hope that God continues to progress me in that direction But here's the thing about justification. And here's the thing about grace. Not everybody gets that opportunity. Not everybody gets the opportunity for lifelong sanctification. Not everybody gets the lifelong opportunity to be in that group who is being saved. Cool thing about justification is there's people out there caught up in sin right now who are going to die tonight. They're not living right lives. Maybe they've caught up in addictions. Maybe they're caught up in prostitution. Maybe they're caught up in in, in whatever ungodly thing that they're doing. If they've received that justification, they die tonight. Guess what's going to happen to them? They get to go to the same place I'm going. Y'all believe that? That's what Scripture says. That's the cool thing about the first half of the. That's the grace of God. The grace of God says we don't earn it. You may not be doing right, but simply because you believe you get to be with me, you get to be forgiven. second half of the gospel says that we were created in the image of Jesus Christ to be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit in order to become a powerfully transforming new creation of the love of Jesus. Here it is for the sake of others and to the glory of the Father. All of this is for the sake of other people, by the way goes back to loving God and loving others. The gospel, the second half of the gospel, is, is all about transforming me for two purposes, to glorify God and for the sake of other people. Christianity is all about relationships. It's all about every person that we bump into during the day. It's not about me. Unfortunately, we make Christianity about us a lot of times. It's not. Everything that we're being sanctified for, everything that we are being saved for, is for the glory of God and for the sake of other people. I want that. Because I like the fact that I'm a little bit, I'm not, I'm not totally unselfish, but I'm a little bit less selfish than I was yesterday. A little bit less selfish than I was five years ago. I like that. And that's where God is leading us all to. Let's embrace that second half. I think probably I'm going to, again, I'm going I'm to guess that most of y'all have embraced that first one. Let's embrace the second half. Let's grow. Let's pursue that. Let's learn how to, how to relinquish our wills. How to submit to this thing that God wants to offer us. And that's, that's the other thing, cool thing about it, you know, is that it brings to us that fullness, that fullness that God, that Christ talks about. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you again, as always, for, for the gift of salvation. God, we thank you for the love that you have for humanity. And God, we ask that you would open up our hearts to uh, your ongoing work in our lives. Help us to learn how to submit to your will. Help us to learn to receive the fullness of life that you have for us. And gracious Father, we thank you for the gospel of your son, Jesus. Jesus, we want to comprehend this word in a way that we never have before. We are new creations, as the scripture tells us. The old is gone, behold the new. Has come. We ask you to forgive us for missing that. Forgive us for missing that and forgive us for failing to teach this to others. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would write this word that we've received today on our hearts. We open the door of our hearts to you. And we are ready now to walk through that door. Right here and right now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.